0: Hey team welcome to tonight's webinar tonight we are talking all things emotional eating so the aim for this evening's session is to understand why we might eat emotionally and build a bit of a toolkit out together tonight to help us overcome this now like i said a lot of what we're going to be talking about is what actually is emotional eating and you might be surprised to hear me say that it's not actually ne- necessarily a negative thing or always a negative thing so Let's start with a really quick uh, momentum multiplier just to get us a little bit more energised on this drizzly, rainy for most of us, I think, and definitely dark for all of us, Thursday evening on the 17th of November. Don't need to worry about teaching and life, but just give me one thing that's gone well today or one thing you're proud of, a place or an area of your life right now where you're feeling confident. You can relate that back to the programme. It might be with your nutrition, with your steps, with your sleep. Your mindset might be in a really, really sort of strong place right now. But give me something that you're proud of or something that's going well, a place in your life where you feel most confident or very confident and something that you're excited about. I mean, number one, it's Friday tomorrow. So I think we could all probably put that one down. Right. Let me know what your what your weekend plans. Let's get get, get some momentum going. Um, I'm going to start. Um, Pop them in the chat. I've got my uh, keyboard here, actually. Um, I'm going to start. Actually, I'll wait till you guys chuck yours in. I'll just tell you mine so um, I am or something that's gone well has been the course that I've been doing over the last few days Um, and I'm quite proud of myself for sort of being quite open and honest because of course it was a mental health qualification there was an awful lot um, like divulged between all the different coaches on there Um, and I was sort of quite open which was quite nice quite refreshing made the most of it so I'm quite proud of myself I didn't just sort of sit on the sofa and just kind of have it on in the background I kind of really made the most of the last couple of days so i'm, I'm very pleased that I, I did it that way um, most confident um oh, it's, this is tricky isn't it uh, i think we all probably struggle with that a little bit saying where we're most confident um i'll come back to that one um, most excited about a quiet weekend at home last weekend was amazing went to bristol with my friends um for four, for four days but nice quiet one nice evening in with a, with a beer or a glass of wine tomorrow night um with my partner just just watching the crown i reckon blimey 29 going on 69 <laughs> um where am i most confident um i don't know i'll have to think about that one that's a tough one i think we'll, it feels weird to, to sort of think about that one doesn't it i think we can all probably relate to that um right let's see what you guys are thinking so um how are we doing lydia is proud of surviving two days of offset amazing lids absolutely incredible we've been having loads of ostets recently haven't we absolutely loads definitely looking forward to getting out um this weekend get some nice long walks in 100 fantastic Teresa says um been one percent better with my movement this week excellent always the one percent always at the gym for a slow workout whilst listening to this soon fantastic excellent 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 great great to hear that um acting curriculum lead for english confident in my classroom for some classes i going to an 80s night yeah fun Sounds very like a really good weekend season. Um meal plan this morning. Um being 1% better this weekend, uh, this week. Family time of the weekend. Excellent. Loads, loads of positives, loads of positives. Simon says, I'm proud that I've been told by five people over the last two days how good I look through my weight loss. Yes, Simon. Excellent. Those compliments do just help, don't they? They do just sort of help to remind you of, of the effort you've been putting in, how far you've come, all these different things. My confidence about starting a new topic tomorrow in school with a wow day. Oh, sounds good. Sounds good. I think we call them scint- scintillating starters. Bit of a mouthful, I think, for children. Scintillating starters. Wow day. I like wow day. Awesome. Awesome. Excited about getting a new car tomorrow. Fantastic. Um, Alice says, a student told me um, how much my year nine class respected me based on how focused they were. Fantastic. That is awesome. What a feeling that is when you when you, when you you got them in the palm of your hand and they're doing well. That is awesome. See my favorite band tomorrow. Oh, who is it? Who is it? If you don't mind sharing. Um, I'm most confident in my new mindset, my ability to be consistent, even when I feel sad. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And it is that resilience, isn't it? Sometimes, you know, it really, really is. Had a, diff- had a difficult meeting after school with parents and it went quite well. And I handled some hard questions. Well done well done Teresa that's when you're put on that spot and someone asks that question and you sort of have to think on your feet and it sort of takes your feet out from out out from under you because you're sort of not prepared for it yeah that's tough that is tough excellent excellent um can I say proud that I've um got through the week filled with having to be a drill sergeant with a range of children really draining and hard to see them change themselves for others yeah yeah that is tough absolutely and sometimes you you know you well a lot of time you don't want to have to fulfill that role do you but it you know it calls for it right you have to do what you have to do because long term that's best for them proud that i survived survived this week looking forward to a weekend um off of work uh, and just try oh sorry a weekend of work and just trying to get ahead before the christmas holidays so looking forward to a holiday back in canada without work that'll be amazing Amazing, getting prepped and ready and ahead. Naya says excited for this program and hopefully my journey ahead. Um, can't say too much about this week, um, but I managed to do my 30 sit-ups a day challenge for the Samaritans. That is amazing. That's brilliant. These are awesome guys. These are really, really good. Um, missed it yesterday, but I managed to force myself to do 60. Wow, today I'm being kind to myself, sort of ish. We'll keep working on that, Naya. Don't worry, you're in the right place. Proud I've been for my walks every day, even in the dark and the wet. Excited for a quiet weekend. Ooh bellowhead a nice-ish folk band i'll look them up i'll look them up bellowhead i'm gonna remember that awesome guys these are fantastic these are really really positive I don't know about you but i'm feeling a lot a lot sort of more bouncy just after reading those well done you you had some really challenging weeks there but you, you can see where the positives are, right? You can see that it's not all doom and gloom and there. there are wins there, which is really, really important. We we have to hold on to them. And I'm not talking about toxic positivity, saying it's all sunshines and rainbows, like saying it's crappy is fine. You can say it's crappy when it's crappy. But for me, there's always gonna be a glimmer somewhere and, and we have to find it, right? Because if we don't, that negativity bias is gonna creep in. So moving on then, talking about emotional eating, what is the problem? You can see we've got a big, long list here emotional meeting, how does it come about why does it happen what is the p- problem behind the problem if you like so of course we are tired time poor teachers it goes without saying we deal clearly from what you guys have just said very stressful circumstances we've got brimming stress buckets absolutely filled to the brim and we're going to talk about that when we go for our stress session we'll talk a lot about that stress bucket possibly leaning on one coping strategy a little bit too much which we'll come back to and that is maybe that food food for feelings and um, again, all or nothing mindset that we come back to time and time again, self-belief, self-worth, this can feed into emotional eating, your past experiences, you know, your relationships with food, your relationships with others around food, all these different things, learned behaviors, how many of us, um, and feel free to share or not share, it's totally up to you, but how many of us have learned our relationships with food from our parents or older siblings or grandparents or wider family, uncles, aunties, whoever, most of our behavior around food is learn. And I know, speaking to quite a few of you, some of your parents sent you to swimming clubs, you know, between the ages of like 11 and 15. And, and there's a handful of you that that applies to, right? It's not uncommon. Particularly, I think, you know, we are, I am probably the end of a generation uh, I know my mum. She's now sort of mid sixties or so. Slimming, uh, fat club, and keep fit were her two clubs. I think I mentioned that before, and uh, everything was slimming clubs, like down the village hall slimming clubs. I was never taken, but for for her age, I think sort of sixty to eighty, maybe. I don't know if you guys would agree, but you know, roughly her generation. was the done thing it was it was pretty much the only thing that we that you would do and it was all about body image and it was all about being a smaller person and being thin you know not strong not fit not healthy thin was the word that was used and you know we learn those behaviors we learn these relationships with food and if the people at home when we're younger are emotionally eating then we're going to pick up on those things right and and unfortunately I can say that with confidence that a lot of you will relate to that, because I think we've all been exposed in some way to it. We really, really have. Of course, challenging environments, both at home and at school for some of us. I know we've got lots of parents here. You know, there are challenging situations and social influences coming home. Your partner's emotional eating. You are equally stressed you join in together. Right. There's lots and lots of different things. Um, And again, having those difficult conversations is going to be a way to address that, of course. So let's get into it. What is emotional eating? So I'm going to be using a few different terms tonight. I'm going to be talking about hunger. It goes without saying what that is, but craving and urge are two things that we're not really super clear on m- most of the time. So I'm going to explain those in a bit more detail. But I want you to think for a second for me, what is emotional eating for you? What does emotional eating mean to you? And it might be, you know, something just to t- take a second just to sort of pause and reflect on. In fact, what I'll do is I'll sort of give you 30 seconds or a minute just to think about these questions what does emotional eating mean to you do you experience emotional eating do you feel it's something that you use as a coping strategy can you think of an uh think of a, an example where you have emotionally eaten if you have and considering that we're always feeling an emotion pretty much all the time what, does that mean that a lot of our eating is emotional so sort of three little questions to ponder there i'm just gonna give it sort of 60 seconds have a little think have you experienced it? can you think of a time when you've experienced it and what does emotional eating mean to you you don't have to share your thoughts if you want to it's absolutely fine and i i can read them to the group i don't need to read names or anything um but yeah share your experiences if you're comfortable to if not just reflect on that and i will zip it <laughs> Okay, a few things coming through. Hundred um, percent learned it from my parents. They were always on a diet. Went to all the swimming clubs. Tried all the diets definitely influenced by parents the emotional and stress eating not even a thought to it now automatic which makes it harder to get out of that habit my mum was always on a diet when i was a kid there was an awful a lot of emotional eating at home always after a stressful day i think f it i deserve a tub of ice cream fantastic yeah honest honestly you know pure honesty there yeah I i really respect that i think Hitting that F it button is, you you know, I laugh because i just thinking of the times that I've done it. And, you know, we all, it's not a case of we ever move past these things 100%. You know, there's times that I do that. I think we can all be honest about that. But it's about me making it less of a coping strategy. It's not about eradicating it. It's about making it less of a crutch. But completely, I, I relate to that 100%. Definitely use it as a reward for hard days. Yeah, that's another really, really common thing. Absolutely. Use it as a distraction from negative thoughts. Usually Rick's Ritz crackers, but always the whole box. Yeah. And you're going to see in a second when we come to talk about um emotional eating, what the ca- sort of the, the categories are and kind of how it works, you know, how it's defined sort of thing. Um, um okay, comfort eating. Uh, neither of my parents have ever done diets. Dad was the soldier, so exercised. Mum was always just um was just always as busy. Um, but I think she comfort ate too. We both eat a cake a lot. Yeah feel like I eat for a celebration to cheer me up when I'm stressed, when I'm sad, often feel like I don't deserve it. Yes. There's real mindset things there. Absolutely. It's that deserving it. It's the, you know, slipping into the good, good food, bad food, naughty food, you know, am I allowed it? Because deserving something is kind of similar to uh, allowing it, right? There's a, there's a link there. I think I'm a feeder too, which is learned behavior. Oh yeah. That's the other thing we need to say about that generation you know generation above absolute feeders absolute feeders with we, and, and then the one above that as well like my nan i'm not sure how old she would be now probably over 100 now but um you know although the food was never great usually <laughs> usually gray mints and too much pepper uh, but absolutely a feeder they're yeah, 100 and and it is and i think think about that generation not to get too into this but that generation coming off the back of a war you know um and then rations, and then, you know, then their children, suddenly they can, they don't have to, so they're overfeeding their children, in terms of, you can, you know, you you enjoy your food, you can eat as much as you want, sort of thing, that generation is then doing it to sort of my generation, maybe, you know, passing it down that way, absolutely, right, so loads of really, really good sort of points there about emotional eating, thank you for sharing those, I really appreciate your honesty as well, so the thing is, with emotional eating, okay, it, it can be, an absolutely fine thing to do and as with all with, ever, with, ever, can't speak tonight, with everything it exists on a spectrum from you know basically dangers in the dose pretty much so if you are celebrating with friends and family somebody's 50th birthday right just to take that for an example there might be a bit of alcohol involved there's probably going to be more food than you feel comfortable with so you're going to eat until maybe uncomfortable you know, you finish your big buffet and then someone brings around the birthday cake. You're not hungry. They don't really want the birthday cake, but it's there. Everyone else is having birthday cake. So, you know, depending on the emotion and depending on how much we lean on it, I'm guessing what I'm saying is going to kind of affect the impact, the effect it has on you, right. And your life. So for example, if someone goes home and their number one coping strategy is to eat, probably the likelihood is that they're relying on it too much. And therefore they go, they are going, that's going to impact their health, their weight, therefore their body image, their self-image, therefore their belief, their self-worth, their confidence. And then we then we get into a spiral, right? We we I think we can all probably relate to that. So it's not that emotional eating is negative, take the birthday party example for example. It's if it becomes your only way of expressing or managing coping with that emotion. And we can see this with people who have sort of alcohol dependency and things like this, right? And it can be really confused a lot with eating through habit. So just to quickly touch on these definitions, hunger, we know what hunger is, right? I'm going to to explain literally how hunger presents in our bodies in a second. But the difference between a craving and an urge are very, they're very distinctive, okay? An urge is what we refer to as sort of emotional eating. So an urge has a specific trigger. I'm going to tell you how to ride the wave, surf the urge, I'm going to call it in a second. But the urge has a specific trigger. It might be getting an email. It might just be you know coming home you're stressed that stress bucket is brimming already and then someone goes into the back of you on the road or you hit a traffic jam or someone texts and says something hasn't been done at work you know we can all think of examples but your stress bucket is brimming and then suddenly something happens as a trigger and then the urge is there if it is that quick and that instant we can we can refer to it as an urge right craving is usually part of a habit loop remember we've talked about this before cue craving response reward we see the cue so normally That craving is part of a habit. So it's just habit eating, which is very, very, very different to emotional eating. It's important to make that distinction. Sometimes we think we are having an urge to eat emotionally or to binge eat, but actually we we haven't been honoring our hunger and we're actually just really, really hungry. Or we've come home, we've opened the cupboards and actually we've seen the donuts or we've seen the biscuits and it's a craving. It's not an urge, it's a craving. Think of it this way if you it's a loose definition but if you don't feel the craving until you see something like the food i mean or smell the food then it's probably a habit craving if you get the craving get the urge should i say when it's not around that food so for example you're driving home you get a text you put into tesco's and suddenly you find yourself sort of at the bottom of two share bags of chocolate and it's an urge it doesn't it's probably not that you've seen or smelt that food so craving you've seen or smelt the food because it's a habit loop urge is more of an emotional trigger thing see what i mean is that clear is that sort of the difference between those clear let me know so craving part of a habit loop see smell it get the cue urge emotional trigger two totally different things of course what we what i want for all of you is to be able to intuitively eat not tracking calories using some portion control maybe you but go back and track calories once every three months for a week just to keep your, your sort of foot in the door with it you're eyeballing your portions you know how to balance your diet we've dealt with your mindset we've looked at emotional eating you're eating intuitively right with portion control and things but you're honoring your hunger and not just hunger for your fuel foods but also hunger for your what i call soul foods okay because you don't need a lovely chicken boona with a nice cold uh cobra lager and a nice sort of um you know naan bread on a friday night that you don't need that for fuel but it's damn good for the soul right if you're if you're a curry person like me right there's soul foods and there's fuel foods so ideally we want to be you to be intuitively eating both of those foods in balance so want to talk about binge eating because binge eating is something that's thrown around and actually funny enough from this mental health qualification i've been doing the last few days or should i say i've been doing my zoom days for um, the last couple of days we discussed how much um, language is misused so when you go into someone's classroom and you see them tidying their desk someone might have a throwaway comment of oh that's a bit OCD when actually that's probably not okay to be chucking around those sort of words just a willy-nilly sort of thing and same with binge eating you know often we say oh I keep binge eating and actually some you know a lot of the time it's it's a habit and it's a craving you haven't had an emotional urge and actually binge eaten so let's find a bit of a definition about what binge eating actually is Eating an excessive amount of food in a way that feels out of control or distressing. So the out of control part is really, really important. So even if somebody, you know, I'm not saying put a gun to your head because I'm sure that would stop anyone doing anything. But even if someone was to try and stop you you know, they probably wouldn't be able to. Okay. You feel really out of completely out of control, a loss of control, and an excessive amount of food until we feel usually uncomfortable and you're know, sick. Okay. Basically, and it, this can even get to a point where it's distressing. So you're doing it, but as you're doing it, it's scaring you. And you can see already how that's not the same as just eating half a pack of biscuits, two very, very different things. Usually, the sort of um, and again, I'm not an eating disorder therapist or a doctor or a psychologist, but the, usually, the category cat, cat, how they categorize it is one of uh, three or more of these things so eating too much, um, until you're feeling uncomfortably full, eating much more rapidly than normal, eating large amounts of food when you're not physically hungry, so you're eating when you're completely not hungry, eating alone because of being embarrassed by how much you are eating, uh, feeling not eating, feeling disgusted with yourself depressed or very guilty after eating so those are just five of the categories that they sort of use um or five of the conditions they use to categorize binge eating there are a few more as well but hopefully that can kind of separate binge eating for you because i think with this kind of thing when we're getting into the mental health aspect of this we need to be really careful about the language we're using and we can't sort of throw terms around we need to be quite clear on that i think so that's binge eating Emotional eating then is going to be something a little bit different. So usually, again, like we said before, it's primarily it's, it's a negative thing we think of, but sometimes it's the positive emotions. We, you know, there are there are benefits of eating. Of course, we get energy, we get satisfaction, we get enjoyment, we get fullness. We can sometimes feel the control when we when we've eaten emotionally, which is something we're going to talk about a lot in a second. And it's that control where it starts to sort of become maybe a bit damaging. Some things that can you know trigger this as well: chronic stress so a real build up of stress having your stress bucket brimming for sort of weeks and months on end with no end in sight which I think teaches, you know red flag there for us poor sleep as well because you know chronic stress and poor sleep are going to lead to hunger ghrelin Um, ghrelin being that uh, ghrelin gremlin is your hunger hormone so ghrelin hunger um leptin satiate, satiation don't know if you guys remember I spoke about that before so ghrelin being the one that makes you feel hungry poor sleep stress goes through the roof if we over restrict we also have a much bigger likelihood to over to emotionally overeat because the value of that food goes way up in our minds so i've done this with many many clients successfully it doesn't work for everyone but if you're someone who does feel a real pull towards the food to you know saturday night you're watching it i don't know strictly come dancing at the moment i don't think so i don't know i don't i only watch really sort of you know streaming stuff um the jungle what's it called celebrity get me out of here that's on saturday night right so you're sitting there eating uh, uh watching your, your uh, celebrity get me out of here and you're thinking oh i haven't had a biscuit all week i don't need chocolate and because we've over restricted that food value has gone up in our minds so what i've done before with a lot of people we say right you have to have a biscuit every single day and the weirdest thing happens when we suddenly say okay not just i have the permission to eat the biscuit i have to eat the biscuit the the thrill the the sort of oh i can't have that that's gone. And you're sort of like, well, I can have a biscuit. And then by day five, six, seven, you're kind of like, well, I don't really want a biscuit right now. And you might have it later on. But in that moment where you're like, oh, it's biscuit time, you realize that actually you don't really fancy it. And that's something we're going to build on. Again, learned behavior from our childhood, our environments. So far, guys, I'm going to take a second to pause. What has resonated with you so far? Give me one thing you've taken away. It might be about binge eating. It might be about um, emotional eating. Give me something that's resonated with you. Either you've experienced it or it's something you didn't know, something you already knew. I don't know. Give me something that that you've taken away so far, guys. Get it in the chat for me. Hunger, craving and urge. Remember those three sort of differences because they are very, very different. So whilst you pop in the chat, something that you've taken away from this uh, session tonight already, I'm going to talk you through a little bit more about what we can actually do about these problems, okay, and give you a few practical strategies now that we've defined what we're dealing with. So what do we do? Of course, you are going to need a completely individual approach. I couldn't sit here right now and tell you exactly what to do when there's a group of sort of 12 of us, okay? Okay. I wouldn't be able to it has to be completely tailored and completely essential and if we're dealing with quite a serious matter therapy could be a good um starting point um you know speaking to a counselor speaking to someone about this um an e- e- uh, eating disorder coach or eating disorder therapist doesn't mean that you have an eating disorder because again two huge terms there eating disorder or disordered eating tendencies two totally different things and eating disorder has been diagnosed okay and disordered eating tendencies are just the tendency so i would say i in the past have experienced disordered eating tendencies but i've never been diagnosed with an eating disorder do you see what i mean there is and there is a there is a chasm between those two things so we, we can't be mixing those up but someone who helps people with eating disorders may also be able to help you if you are experiencing disordered eating tendencies of course that's space for a dietitian a professional a doctor so we need coaching. We need discussion. We need exploration. The last thing we need to do is to keep this to ourselves. If you're at the point where you're ready to make change. And this is something that, of course, I do with all the one to one members of the team. But you know, when this is when this is something to deal with, we need to come at you with kindness, compassion and zero judgment, because the reality is, is in today's society where we do have, you know, socioeconomic status affecting us. We have families with parents both working stress through the roof. We have, you know, an abundance of food, cheap, highly accessible, high calorie, highly palatable, tasty food. We know that a lot of us will experience this in our lifetime. So there is zero judgment because judgment helps no one. You are probably judging, judging yourself right now or you have judged yourself more than you know more than enough, so we don't need somebody else coming in and judging you on that. Which is where kindness and compassion becomes such an important part of this. Developing mindful awareness around the situation, which I'm going to talk to you through in a second. Building up a wider range of coping strategies. So I want you to imagine again a little bit like a table. At the moment, your table's got one leg, and that leg is taking a lot of strain. Right? That that emotional eating is taking a lot of strain. We just want to start building up new strategies, new tools in our toolkit to screw another leg onto that table, so it becomes a little bit more steady, and you're not relying on that one. Okay, it doesn't mean that we're going to take that leg off and never use it again, but it just means that we've got other strategies to help us cope and help us manage with this. Again, seeking support with um, people around you, people at home. Seeking support with me, as always. Addressing those black and white mindsets. Always thinking about that spectrum mindset around food and starting to really develop that relationship with food. So. Hunger, craving, or an urge. Let's play a game. (laughs) Hunger is going to cause an empty or hollow feeling. It's a stomach feeling. Okay, you don't really experience hunger um, first, or you don't experience hunger primarily in in your brain. Okay, it's primarily a a stomach and whole body experience. Okay, which I'm going to show you through uh, in a second. Hunger is going to keep increasing. If you're super hungry and you're feeling your belly's rumbling, it's going to keep rumbling it's not going to stop until you eat until you get to that point where you start to feel sick and blood sugar crashes. And that's a different conversation. But for the most part, hunger is going to increase over time. Really, really good point. Good thing to remember is if you're fancying food, so you go into a supermarket and you think, oh, that chicken salad sandwich, I I need to get that in me. I need some food. You know, a balanced meal feels appealing to you you're not just you're not just hungry for biscuits and cake and chocolate and, and less optimal nutrition sources so you're hungry for food for a meal you're hungry for fuel not so much for that soul food right cravings totally different they usually don't come with an empty feeling unless of course you go home you're hungry then you see the biscuits and then you've got a mix of the both of them uh cravings come from seeing or smelling foods that sensory input if you can give yourself a gap and some space away from that food and time away, that craving's gonna gonna fade. I can't tell you how many times recently where I've had my dinner and gone, oh, I'll have a Snickers ice cream. They're great, by the way. And I'll have a Snickers ice cream. So I'll be thinking in my head, I'm gonna have that in a second, I'll go back, watch TV, have a Snickers ice cream. I'll make a cup of tea, I'll go to the loo, I'll do something else, I'll forget, sit back down to watch TV or listen to a podcast or whatever. And suddenly it's half an hour later, I'm like, oh, I didn't get my ice cream, did I? And I actually don't want it anymore, and it's a really weird feeling when you get to the place where you can give yourself that time and space, and notice actually how your cravings disappear. You do start to feel a lot more empowered because you're less of a slave to it. You are back in control, like you're in the driver's seat. Um, And of course, you're gonna have your foods. A lot of people have their foods that when they are craving something, they it's their go-to. When you open up the the cupboards and it's that same food again, you're like, oh, yeah, I'll have a little bit of that. So big difference how can we recognize that hunger then so it might come from headaches might come from poor concentration might come from irritability up in the brain um in terms of the stomach an empty feeling rumbling a painful stomach gurgly stomach that can sometimes um signal that we are super hungry full body stuff you might feel really low energy even dizzy tired you might have the shakes right you might be feeling a bit faint like all these different things so hunger is going to affect us mentally slightly mostly in the stomach and then eventually in the sort of full body so that's how we can separate cravings from hunger is that already clear so far guys we've got one comment in so that means 11 of you have taken nothing away from this session i'm disappointed what have you taken away come on give me something um sometimes i'm just hungry so i can make a be- better choice in the moment yeah absolutely 100 come on the rest of you What have you taken away from this session so far? There's got to be something. If not, I'm doing a pretty rubbish job. So we've talked about hunger. We've talked about cravings. We've talked about um, binge eating and emotional eating so far. And we've already started to look at some of the things that we can do to help with this. A really, really, really common thing that we can experience is we have a trigger. We have an emotional trigger. It might, again, it might just be driving home and something happens after a really long day. So your bucket's really full, there's a trigger, your bucket starts spilling over. When this happens, we can get an urge, okay? And I want you to think of the urge like a wave. It's gonna swell, it's gonna rise. But over time, if you give it long enough, that wave's gonna crash back in under itself, okay? These urges to eat are like waves, okay? They really, really, really are. They're gonna build in intensity. So don't, you know, if when you notice that you have that urge, just grab some food and, and eat emotionally. Don't expect it just to pass easily. It's going to be hard to resist. It really, really is. But there's a few things that we can do. Five-step procedure to surf in the urge. So the first one, when you're triggered, so basically when you notice the urge to to binge or the urge just to overeat or the urge to eat emotionally here, when you notice that urge and when you've been triggered, note what the trigger is. In that moment, acknowledge it, note it, and then try and figure out what the trigger has been. Step number two, we need to basically bring ourselves back down to equilibrium. We need to help ourselves come back to a calm state. We know that um, we want to focus on our breath. We want to focus on reducing heart rate. We want to focus on reducing breathing rate. And then blood pressure is most likely going to be reduced as well. So we want to calm ourselves. Something that's really, really easy, we've probably all heard of is that box breathing. So it doesn't really matter on the time, but I'm going to go for four seconds in four seconds hold four seconds out four seconds hold so that's just one thing you can do you know if, if you're short of breath it might be worth doing sort of two seconds in one second hold or, or, or similar you can also do hand breathing so you can breathe in as you go up and out as you go down the finger in and out in and out that's really good great with children as well you can do belly breathing you can do balloon breathing Um, there's all these different types of sort of breathing exercises you can do Breathing is just a great one to calm your central nervous system and to bring you back a little bit further away from that sort of fight or flight. You know, calm down that hypothalamus, calm down that amygdala, you know, show that the threat is not actually there and basically bring you back down. Calm the brain, basically. Get that prefrontal cortex, that decision, logical making part of the brain. Get that back engaged. I'm not sure if anyone's had that training where the the flip the lid. So this being the thumb sort of being your old Brain basically, and this new bit being like the outer bit of the onion that's sort of latched over. There's a there's I can't remember who the guy was. He, he was Essex based, I think, but he, well, he was around Essex. But when we sort of hit that fight or flight, we sort of flip our lid. So basically, it's reminding you that that prefrontal cortex, that decision making part, isn't engaged anymore. So you're sort of like woo, thinking thinking with my sort of urges, sort of thing with this old part of the brain. And there is more to it, of course, but yeah that's that's we want to sort of re-engage that and get you thinking again pretty much once you've got to that stage we can sort of try to recognize and you you time the first time you try this you might just get to stage one then the next time you might get to stage two it's not about being perfect it's not about beating yourself up if you can't surf the urge it's literally about just improving slowly over time number three recognize that it's not forever repeat the phrase this too shall pass i really want to go and raid the cupboard right now but it's going to pass and I'm going to focus on my breath or a podcast or a book or something. Then keep reminding yourself of that, you know, because that thought's going to go out your brain and the urge is going to come back in. So keep reminding yourself that it's it's temporary. It's going to pass. I didn't feel this way five minutes ago. I'm not going to feel this way in five minutes time. Okay. It's not, it's fine. It's, It's passing. It's passing like the weather. Just keep reminding yourself of that. And then finally, to help you do that, distract yourself with an activity. And something that I do with with some people is a good technique is, you know, you really want that chocolate bar after dinner. This is more for a craving than an urgent, by the way. But, you know, you want that chocolate bar after dinner and you just set it on the side. I think, Faye, I think you remembered this. Don't know, well, it must have been a training we did or something, but I think you reminded me of this. Um, you put something, put the chocolate bar on the side, set a timer or stand or walk away, go and clean your teeth, go and do the hoovering, do the dishes, whatever. And then come back to it and think, do I actually still want it? Not really. Is this what I really want? Um, or sometimes if you can, just stand look at it and just think about how you're feeling in that moment. Anyway, that is surfing the urge for when you are when you have an urge to uh, eat emotionally or to binge a little bit less useful when there's cravings. But I guess it, it could be useful in both situations. Now, I am going to talk to you about something that's really, really good when you um again have an urge to to eat emotionally all right and it's called the three f's and i got this from dr Rongan and um but i've adapted it and i've added more detail to it so first f is going to be feel second f is going to be feed and the third f is going to be find you probably all heard me talk about this before but again it's not about doing this perfectly it's not a competition you know you're not trying you're not trying to beat a pb with this sometimes you might get through all three stages in one go sometimes you might just get to the end of stage one they've all got a purpose and they're all really important and it's about building that skill up over time not about expecting to get it first right time don't don't beat yourself up right it's not going to help you can't guilt yourself into growth so stage one is feel and this stage is just about acceptance and about noting how you feel and if all you do in this situation is you note how you feel job done mission mission accomplished so this is about bringing awareness and mindfulness to how you're feeling so You come in um, from school and, um, you know, either you've got that urge or you open the cupboards and you have a craving. It doesn't really matter either or. We want to stop and pause in that second. And we want to think, how am I feeling right now? And I use HALTAS. So am I as in stop? Am I hungry, angry, lonely or bored, tired, anxious or stressed? Okay, halt us or just halt if you want to make it a bit more memorable. So it's just about noting how you're feeling. If you then go and enjoy that food, no problem at all. But at least you've noted what you were feeling before, because then we can start to think about what the food does for you. So you feel that emotion. You eat that food. We need to figure out why. Right. So this is, again, about noting why you eat that food and bringing further awareness to it. So this is all about awareness. How did that food affect you? How did it impact you? Did it fix your emotion? Do you feel better now? Did it, did it make your emotion worse? Did it, did it, it feel? Are you now feeling a more negative emotion? Are you feeling guilt or shame? So, what benefit did that food give you? And often it's about control. If we're feeling stressed, overwhelmed, and out of control, food gives us control back. We see this a lot with teenagers as well. Okay. food can give us some control back we see this with a lot of people who might have had um again without going too deep but you know traumatic experiences in childhood or you know we might have had experiences as adults we can develop this rel- re- reliance on food as this crutch as we said earlier to feel in control it's su- it's very very common it's a very simple human urge you know once we've lost control we need control of something and food can be a really really common one for lots of us so did it make you feel in control? Did you feel calm? Did you feel relaxed? Did you feel back to equilibrium, back to normal? Do you feel that like you've actually spent some time on yourself and done something for yourself? Once we know what you get from that food in that situation, we can then find an alternative control. What can you do if you feel in control? Could you have a conversation? Could you write down how you're feeling? Could you create a tada list or a, an Eisenhower matrix to sort out your do, delegate, delete? Um, wherever the other one is. The fourth D, do, delegate, delete. What have I I forgotten? Do, delegate, delete. My mind's gone blank. Help me out here. What's the fourth D? I've forgotten it. Um, Did it help you feel clear-minded, right? Did, you know, did it clear the path of thoughts? Did it release some of that capacity back to you? you, Were you able to think a little bit better? So if that's the case, maybe some mind dumps phone calling someone up on the phone having a chat doing some journaling practicing some gratitude just going for a walk to just to help you think and process through your thoughts the physical motion of moving forward i don't know the science behind this but this is anecdotally for me if i would need to have a difficult conversation with someone or a confrontational conversation or if i'm just at odds with myself my own brain if i go for a walk the physical motion of moving forward for me really helps to ease that like it really does help me to feel more calm, more relaxed. It helps to take away the confrontation from that situation and clear in my mind. You feel like you're mentally moving forward as you physically move forward. If it's you're looking to feel calm, you know, can you go and take a walk? Can you take a bath? Can you listen to a podcast? Can you listen to music? This is going to be completely, completely individual, guys. What was the fourth day? I forgot. <laughs> delay. Delay. That's it. Um, so you do it now. You delay it to another time, you delegate it to someone else or you delete it. Thank you. Do, delay, delegate, delete. Thanks. OK, so that's really good. That's the ice and how matrix, isn't it? So that's the three F's from Dr. Ronkin Chatterjee. How do I feel? How does the food feed it? And can I find an alternative? Feel, feed, find. And then halt us to note those feelings. Now, if you're someone who does find themselves overeating quite a lot, we're nearly at the end now, guys. Try to eat mindfully. I'm going to talk you through that a little bit more in a second. Avoid the distractions when you're eating. Serve yourself up a balanced meal, right? Give yourself a fighting chance when it comes to feeling full. Veggies, protein, complex carbohydrates, you know, pasta, rice, potatoes. Give yourself a fighting chance. Healthy fats as well. Put your fork down between bites. We talked about this uh, Tuesday, didn't we? Think about your hunger in your stomach as you're eating. Chew your food, swallow your food and think, right, am I starting to feel full up now? Bring the mindfulness, remember mindful being you're doing just that thing, bring the mindfulness to your stomach and really think about how you're feeling. If you're going up for seconds or for dessert, give yourself 10 minutes. You know, the old thing that everyone's family used to tell them, you know, food takes 15 minutes to digest, sit and wait, let your food go down. It's true. It takes time for your brain to receive the signal of, oh, we've got stuff coming in here. It's all right. You can stop. It takes time for that to happen, so give yourself the fighting chance of doing that. Drink some more water as you eat. Again, gastric stretch, filling your stomach up. The whole there was there was a thing about drinking a pint of water before you eat. It's not a myth. It literally does help to fill your stomach up. It doesn't last, but if you're trying to feel fuller for a short period of time when you're eating, drinking water as you eat makes sense. Again, slowly build up these strategies. If you have overeaten, and this is a really important um, page that we're going to sort of finish on here. If you feel like you've overeaten, there's, there's a lot of things that we need to consider. There's some really important things that I don't want you to do. Once you've overeaten, you are probably going to be feeling guilt, shame, or restrictive thoughts. You're probably going to go want to say, Well, I've I've overeaten by a thousand calories or so without McDonald's. I'm now going to undereat tomorrow. That's not going to work because we're going to go onto that slippery cycle of overindulge over restrict overindulge over restrict and that becomes a really damaging spiral mentally and physically so just go back to your regular schedule programming just go back to normal behaviors tomorrow forget about it to some extent let go of the guilt let go of the shame because that's like holding on you know holding on to somebody's baggage at the airport it's not your baggage to hold it's only going to weigh you down you need to let it go and then think about how you felt try and use those three f's for me go think back to the experience how was I feeling around that time you're not beating yourself up you're not criticizing yourself you're literally just thinking how was I feeling okay try to think about where these thoughts have come from like can you almost hear somebody else's voice in your head is this somebody else talking to you like you know if if it's maybe a parent can you literally hear them saying oh you you better you better cut out bread for the next week or you, you know you you can't have that you can't have this you know, oh, you should probably go on a run now. Like all these, all these thoughts that we've probably heard around us and that we've absorbed. Can you literally? Can you hear any of those thoughts in your mind? Might be in your own voice now, but can you sort of think about those experiences? When you do have those thoughts about, well, I need to restrict or whatever, try to label them as supportive and unsupportive. So it's not about holding onto a thought, getting angry about it, and, and building on it. It's about hearing or feeling a thought, thinking a thought, should I say, thinking a thought, and thinking that's supportive for me or that's unsupportive and then letting go of the unsupportive ones it's not about dwelling on it it's not about holding on to it it's about letting it go as best you possibly can and focusing your attention on the supportive thoughts if this is a real struggle just think to yourself what would i say to a friend if a friend come up to me tomorrow in the staff room and said oh this happened last night what advice would i give them what would i say to a loved one what would i say to a friend remind yourself of everything that's worked for you in the past remind yourself of everything that you've done excuse me everything you've done recently that has been working all of the positives everything you're putting in place remind yourself of how far you've come already and remind yourself of these new values we don't over restrict we don't cut out food groups we don't ban foods we're not just about scale weight we're not just about what we look like in the mirror we are talking about whole body health here mental physical emotional spiritual social we are about everything and so are you, right? Because otherwise you wouldn't be here. If your values didn't align to mine, you wouldn't be here. If all you cared about was the number of the scale, you wouldn't be here because you want whole health, right? You want the whole picture. And that's what we're doing. So remind yourself of your values now. It doesn't matter if the scale doesn't shift half a pound this week because I'm thinking about the bigger picture. I've got more at stake than my scale weight, basically. You know, I, I'm working on the bigger, bigger stuff here. Go so back to the usual habits, foundations. If you're really overwhelmed, strip it back to the five foundations okay getting some walks in getting uh, get some steps in drinking some water eating some fruits and veggies taking some downtime getting a good night's sleep go back to those don't worry about calories don't worry about tracking don't worry about training and movement just focus on those five when you're back then you can think about progressing it's a side step right maybe avoid using the scale for a little bit because you know that when you have loads of salt loads of carbohydrates when you're approaching your period or on your um menstrual cycle week when you are super stressed when you've had a poor night's sleep when you've had loads of alcohol you're likely to be retaining a ton of water weight and so the scales can go up four pounds you're gonna go oh four pounds no and because we haven't been working long enough together for you to beat that mentality around the scale yet or we're not using the scale at the moment that's going to feel like the end of the world in that moment but you've got to remind yourself of the bigger picture you've got to zoom out Look at the month and say, hang on a minute, I've got one data point, one point in time this morning where my weight was four pounds higher. Look at the rest of the month. Look, look, look at it. Look at the progress over over time. If you are using the scale and zoom out, I can guarantee that zooming out is going to make you feel better about almost any situation. When you realize that it's temporary, it's fleeting and that, you know, this too will pass, it will make you feel better. Anyway, guys, that is me done. have we got any questions on that? Get them chucked in the chat. If you're listening back on the podcast, thank you very much for joining us this evening. We always be we seem like an hour for most of these sessions. I do need to make them a little bit more concise, don't I? Sorry, guys, just me rambling on. But if you're joining us on the podcast, thanks for listening. And I will catch you very, very soon. Dad-